Hi everyone, it's Jamie. I just want to share with you that my new book, Toxic Relationship Recovery, is available now. This book is for anyone who is healing after a harmful relationship, but it's also for people that are looking to identify toxic traits, toxic behaviors, and toxic strategies that get used upon people every single day. The second half of the book teaches you strategies to heal your inner voice and find your authentic self after experiencing this type of harm. I'm looking forward to you all reading it and hearing your feedback from it. It's available today. Find Toxic Relationship Recovery wherever you buy books. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are, and exploring who we are becoming. Hey, Jamie, I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. So I was at a family gathering last weekend and there was, it was like a huge family gathering where like people don't often see each other. Right. And, um, my uncle was like insisting that my kids give him a hug and my kids were like, not about that moment. Has that ever happened to you? Like, what do you, what would you have done in that situation? I'm just like curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, like, this is an uncle they haven't seen in a while. Ever. This is actually like their first time meeting him. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is but, like, I used to be like... really close with my uncle. I used to be and, like, he's like a right. close uncle of mine. I haven't seen him in years. And I was like excited for my kids to meet him. But like, they didn't want to get near him. And I was like, sh- I just was like, this is weird. What do we do? Right, right. I mean, the least thing the kids can do is just give that guy a hug. Like, I don't understand why, like, y'all like it's like i mean why is this question even being asked like it's not even that big of a deal like i mean you actually think that kid you would have forced yeah, your kids my to kids, hug him yeah if it was my kids i would have been like dude like this is the close family member just suck it up and like go give him a hug this guy's a good dude like just do it but like i could read their body language they didn't want to like they absolutely did not want to have their body touched by oh, somebody they didn't on. know like they even know what they want they don't know I, what they want i think that they do they know their own bodies I so the point I mean, is I did not make them I did not make them hug their uncle and then like everybody at the family reunion was like giving me shit about it the whole time and I was yeah but fun. like I think you made it like really way deeper than it needed to be like I genuinely think that man walked away probably sad and you probably he he probably felt upset that he didn't get hugs from them and you know that's kind of on your kids that's kind of on your kids for making them feel bad I don't know I guess I just see it differently I just wanted to respect their bodies well I just don't think they know what they want like so whatever I mean we're just we're just disagreeing I guess and and scene I hope you guys know that that must have been so uncomfortable for Jamie because that's like the exact opposite like like belief system that she holds about children and bodies. We've talked about it on this podcast before, but yeah. Yes. I was like feeling uncomfortable for you, Jamie. I'm like, I don't know if I could like role play that one out loud. That was rough. Keep it together. Keep it together. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah. So what what, what were we going for, CA? All right, so this episode's going to be, we're going to see where it goes, but we're talking about consent. We're talking about bodily consent. We're talking about how to build that sense of safety and consent with somebody and like maybe even trying to understand uh, how this person feels about consent. And so we kind of started with this role play of just kind of coming out the gate and asking somebody a question about children's bodies and bodily consent and like hugging family members is kind of like a really good almost like first filtration system to use and getting to hear somebody's perspective on how they feel about should children have the power to say no to a hug even if it's a family member well you know how we talk about people telling themselves they don't even know what they're saying half the time but this is a beautiful 
litmus test. And I don't, I'm not saying we're going to insert whoever answers like that as they're an utmost monster and they're violating people here and there. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is it is a very, very, like even conversationally, like you don't even have to give them a scenario. You can be like, I don't know. Like I saw on the news that some moms are like, not like they're just like saying that their kids like don't have to say goodbye and like give kisses when they're at Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> like, what are your thoughts about that? Like, what, it, like, did, can you, can you believe that's like, that's where we're at now? Like literally even, I mean, I know you're kind of entrapping them cause you're basically making it seem like you're, <laughs> but like, but what I'm saying is when you ask a question like that, me and CA were breaking this down. We were doing the brainstorm for this episode. The reason why we wanted to lead with this is because one of the things we kept distilling down for you guys was this idea that like, it's very hard to know people's perception of consent until a violation has occurred. And ideally what we want to avoid for all of our listeners is to be in a situation where someone says, oh, totally, babe, like totally. I I will listen to anything you say and absolutely 100% consent, you know, king and queen, like we got this, right? And I don't want someone to be literally entering into a situation. I mean, we're going to, I probably should pause, we're gonna probably venture into some sexuality talk, some sexual um, experiences, some actual descriptions of sexual experiences in this episode. We're probably not gonna go super, super like this is the only thing the episode's about, but we are going to be talking about some of the parameters around sexual consent in this episode. So please be mindful. If you made it this far in, be mindful that we will be describing some of the sexual experiences and please use your discretion if it's getting too intense and you need to take a break, a pause, or you don't have to listen to this episode. And we invite you to come back on an episode you can listen to where you're not feeling like it's getting your Nervous system activated. All right. So moving through that, I just, we're, we were saying that eventually you have to gauge if someone actually cares about consent because it's easy to flipping say, oh yeah, totally. I totally like, I'm on board with that. Right. And I go, well, are you on board with it when you're in the middle of a sexual experience? And you think you're about to get to a really great level, you're getting to the climax and your partner looks at you and is like, I just got totally rattled. I have to stop for a second. Do you believe in consent then? And then me and CA talked about it. And we said, how do you gauge before that experience happens? <laughs> yes, exactly. How are you supposed to predict that someone who says they're totally on board and let's say you go all through the parameters, we'll get to that in a little bit, but you go through all these parameters and in that moment you realize, oh, he has a flipping problem with this. Right. Like this person actually doesn't know how to take no for an answer. So going back to the conversation with the, you know, kind of like the litmus test conversation, we're not sitting here saying entrap people, like test people no, against yeah. <laughs> their will and all of that. That's not, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is like, have some mindfulness around the conversations that you're having with people to start getting a bigger picture of how they conceptualize autonomy and consent. So if it were me in this conversation and we, you know, we cut off our role play early there, but like there's a couple different ways the conversation could go. One of the things that I probably would come have like would have maybe tried to get to next in that conversation with fake Jamie because that's not her <laughs> real stance on bodily autonomy is I would probably engage where that belief is coming from and not that it's my, you know, like responsibility to therapize this person or whatever, but like I might say something along the lines of like, oh, did that like happen to you a lot as a kid? Like, did you often have to like, I would maybe even lead with like a sentence, like a story of my own, be like, I know that when I was a kid, I was forced to give hugs to family members I barely knew. It made me very uncomfortable. And so as I'm raising my own children, I don't want their bodies to have to feel that level of discomfort. So the reason why I engaged in those hugs as a kid, even though I didn't want to, was because I didn't feel safe 
to say no. I was being forced by my parents. I was in a, you know, a parenting dynamic that was very authoritarian. And so I knew that I would be punished in some way if I did something against their will. I didn't feel safe growing up. So therefore, I was forced to endure major discomfort in my body during those moments. So in raising my own kids, I'm just doing it differently. I don't want them to feel uncomfortable in their bodies. And so I'm making sure they know that they're safe to say no. I am a safe adult and I will make sure that they stay safe in their bodies. That's how I'm raising them. So that's kind of like where I'm at. And I'm curious, like where your belief system came from. Like, did you also get raised, like having to hug your family members you didn't like, right? And then maybe they can like share a little bit of their experience. Now, here's what's important is it's not to shame anybody, right? So say they do go ahead and explain that they were in a similar situation and they survived it and they're just fine, right? That's a lot of times like the dynamic that we get from people when they endured things in childhood against their will and then they get to adulthood and they go, oh, uh, I had to deal with that and I'm just fine. So therefore, kids these days should also have to endure it and they'll be just fine the same way that I am just fine. So the thing is, a, a lot of adults come to adulthood with that belief system in place. And there's reasons for that. We don't have time to go into that whole entire um, rabbit hole right now. I'm not going to shame somebody for having come to that conclusion. In my real life, depending on the dynamic of the situation, I might try to over encourage somebody to see a different perspective. But if this is like a brand new person that I'm just meeting, I'm like, why am I going to put in all that emotional labor, right? Like of like trying to get them to be educated on a different perspective of how to see this. I might just assess the situation of, I just feel misaligned with this person. Like I don't see consent the same way that they do. I don't see childhood and adulthood the same way that this person does this just isn't a good fit for me. Like that's probably how I would end up walking away from that situation. Unless, and this is the last thing I was going to say about that particular setup. So in that setup, um, you know, let's say this was a new person that I was meeting for lunch and we had that conversation and it comes out that, yeah, this happened to them when they were a kid as well. They also were forced to give hugs against their will. Then they heard me talk about my story. And then if I actually sense like a capacity to receive that, and consider a different perspective and go, whoa, that's really amazing. That's like actually really cool that that's how you're raising your kids. Like, I guess I just thought that, you know, <laughs> since I'm fine or whatever, that like kids should be able to be okay with that. But man, I wish I had a mom like you, right? Like if they could share that they have a person like an, a capacity to receive a different perspective and say, oh, I can see why that's important. And I'm seeing your perspective and it's super valid. Like if you're picking up on that, maybe that's something worth continuing to explore. That's kind of like where I'll leave it and I'll volley it back over to you. But if you're sensing like a full, nope, that's ridiculous. Kids should just, life's unfair, life's uncomfortable, right? If it's a digging in of the heels, essentially what you're assessing is this person is, you know, gonna be a person that would continue cycles that are not really like helpful. <laughs> and that's what I mean is like, it's not to shame that person. It's to assess for yourself if this is aligned with the type of energy you want to be engaging in. Right. And I think this is where if I heard the, the you know, feedback for from the naysayers, they might be like, well, I might believe that about kids, but that doesn't mean I believe that about adults. Like, I don't think kids know what they want, but I do think adults know what they want. So I don't think it's fair that you're acting like that's my conceptualization of consent, because I understand that adults know what they want. And I go, well, this gets really tricky, right? Because if you're sitting there and saying kids don't know what they want, but then you apply it to things that, I mean, let's take it out of sex for a second. If I ask you to try a new food and my palate loves that dish and you come into the room and I go, uh, hey, you want to try this? 
oh, you know, I'm not really like, I don't know. I'm not actually like, thanks for offering, but no, I, I'm not in the mood for that right now. And I look at you and I go, you don't know what you like. You don't know that you're going to love this. Okay. Well, to be fair, yeah, you're going to have to try a new food to figure it out, out if you like it. But our point of this entire flipping episode is not force someone to like explore something. It is let them autonomously arrive to that curiosity. So it is not let me shove this spoon down your throat. It is all right. Well, I'm going to set us a little dish aside. You if you want to try it, it's going to be on the counter. If not, no big deal. What is in what's there that's not there in other situations? It is you are correct in that she will not be able to figure out if she likes this dish if she never tries it. That's not what we're contesting. We understand that because that's a fact of life of how people learn and experience new things. But what we don't get to say is, well, she doesn't know, so I'm going to show her today whether or not she wants it or not. That is a consent violation. That is actually problematic. So when I sit there and I go, okay, as an, I'm talking to an adult, I know people will be like, oh my God, what about kids? I'm like, okay, let for this context, this is a, you know, a friend talking to a friend that's an adult at dinner. And I don't get to shove it down her throat. What I get to say to her is I can make a case and say, well, I know that you've been into different types of curry. I've made a new recipe. I know it doesn't look the same as the other curry you made, but I enjoy the meal. I know that you might. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to take advantage of this meal when it's here. At the end of the day, if you don't do it, oh, well. It is not mine to assert over you, right? And so that's what I'm saying. If we if we take it out of sex for a second, it it's so clear for you to be like, dude, if a friend shoved a spoon in my mouth, I would never visit that friend again. Like it's so preposterous for someone to be like, shut up, open your mouth. And then like shoving a spoon in my mouth. I would be like, what the f- just happened? That's what I would be like. And it would feel like a violation. Absolutely. And I think anybody with two eyes would sit there and watch that and agree like, oh my God, you can't do that to somebody, right? This is why uh, one of my like favorite pieces that's ever been done on consent was that one about tea. Have you ever seen that before? No. That's yeah. the best one. Um, and if you've never seen it before, it's, I'm gonna miss, you know, some of the details of it, obviously, but it's essentially like, it's a whole, it plays out like multiple different scenarios of offering somebody a cup of tea. And it's an illustration about what consent looks like and how it is not a one and done situation and how it's an ongoing consent, you know, consent is ongoing. And at any point, a person is able to adjust or say no, right. And so they talk about the, you know, offering of the tea. And then right then and there, the person has the choice to say yes or no. Say they go ahead and they say yes, and they're enjoying the tea for a little while. And then they go about halfway through the cup, they no longer are enjoying the tea, and they set the cup down. How that other person who like made the tea for them responds to that. Imagine, again, right in this situation, imagine they go over and they literally pick the cup up and keep shoving it down that person's throat. Like anybody seeing that would be like, that's, messed up and then then be like well they drank the first half of the tea like obviously can't be that bad so what's gonna happen to them if they drink the second half of the tea like I want them to finish the cup of tea I made this tea for them so I'm gonna force them to drink the whole thing obviously we can look at that and say that's not good that's not correct right like somebody is allowed to drink half a cup of tea and decide you know what it's not tasting as good as it did in the beginning. I don't really think I want this. What if they have just one sip and they go, no, not for me. Are you like dealing with a person that's capable of going, oh, okay. Not your cup of tea. Literally, literally, right? Like the actual phrase, like, oh, it's not your cup of tea. Like, so the whole thing is like, how do we assess when it comes to like sex and consent and like gearing ourselves up to that sort of a dynamic with somebody how are we 
what sorts of things can we be doing and putting into place ahead of time that helps us to better conceptualize if we are being a safe person and also dealing with a safe person to where no is a valid option at any given point in time during the experience and that there is safety to have conversation around this, you know, concept of consent before it even gets to sex. Like, is there consent in all these other, like, are they showing you that they are a person that's capable of understanding consent and bodily autonomy and all right, of that? And right. so the the conversation, you know, the the one sort of litmus test, like chatting about children's bodily autonomy, looking for those little things, right? Like them like forcing you to try a drink, even though you're like, no, I, it's got that one ingredient in it that I know I don't like. And they'll go, yeah, but you've never had it combined with this. And like paying attention to those little things, right. And seeing if they're a person that's like, oh, okay, that's fine. You don't have to have this. I love it, but you don't have to love it. That's okay. You know, like paying attention to those sorts of details as you get to know somebody. Right. And I think what's when we go into some of the parameters of sex, like what me and Sia were breaking down was like, it's not just about the conceptualization of consent, but it's also the conceptualization of the dynamics in sex. Okay. So like for some people, this is where it is important to start breaking this down, even before you enter into conversations with other people, enter into a conversation about this with yourself, like literally dialogue what is my perception of how I interact sexually? Like, how do I interact sexually? All right. Because it's hard to ask, like, if we're talking about pleasuring yourself, like, there's a general consensus, like, literally, if you're pleasuring yourself, your body's in alignment, because every moment you don't have to give yourself consent to self-pleasure, right? You're in the place of consent, okay? But when we add another person to this, This is where sexuality with another person is tricky because now we're going to be having to break down what is the energy exchange? What are the dynamics at play? Do people fall into different like leadership or, you know, I, I, I know for some people that aren't in like the kink scene or whatever, like these might be like newer to you, but like kind of like who's taking the lead. It doesn't have to be like dom directive or sub directive, but like literally in general, not even in some of the more intricate scenes, is there a expectation that if I am having sex, I'm going to be the follower? (laughs) Or do you go into sex? saying, oh no, I'm a lead, right? Like some people will be like bottom top. Like there's so many different words for this, but like genuinely the energy I'm talking about, if we just distill it down is what is your energy going into it? And remember, it doesn't have to be black and white, but what is your starting off perception of how you operate when you're having sex? Okay. So if you're without detangling it at all. What is your default perception of how Defaults. you're going to yes. interact in the bedroom or in the sexual experience? Okay. All right. So right off the bat, that's one of the parameters we would want everybody to ask themselves. And remember, do not fit yourself into a box. I know like people are like, stop labeling everything that limits everything. And I go, I'm not saying you have to say that you are a top and you're never going to be anything else. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying, What is your defaulted self with asking this question arriving to? What's the conclusion that it's arriving to? And it doesn't mean it's set in stone. It just means that your brain has a default right now and we're asking the question. All right, so now that we have an understanding of that, this is important when we talk about consent because there are some people that have a conceptualization of sex where, and this is where I would say is, more of the healthy perception of sex is that you are entering a dynamic where both people are sustaining their individuality, their autonomy, and their authority and their sovereignty at every single moment in that experience. And that does mean people are like, well, how does that work with like dom and sub and stuff? And I go, it's absolutely possible because people have done the forework. They go, I like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they, so if, if someone's asking me, okay, how does that work in like dom and sub dynamics? And I go, people have done that work. 
they've done the work. They said, I like to respond to your lead. I trust you. If you move me here, if you put me in this position, if you entertain that conversation with me when we're having sex, I like that. I trust you. I like that leadership. I like to follow. And cool. That's great because that's how I enter my sexual energy. Okay. But that is not Even in those dynamics, they are still maintaining their consent, which is why many times you hear this word safe word is because even in those dynamics, if something changes and they're having a good time, but something changes, they, they will say, Hey, kind of out of that space right now, we need to reset. And that person that has maybe been in the quote unquote dominant energy or top energy or whatever, like they don't get to bear, like, you know, like steamroll over that and be like, wait. You said I could do whatever the heck I wanted. And it's like, that is where the consent stopped because I already said you were okay to do that until there is a conversation around that ending, similar to the tea thing. Like I said, I wanted tea. Now I no longer want to enter into this dynamic. Okay, so going back a little bit, we're talking about the parameters, the perceptions, thinking about what you're defaulting to. And then having a conversation with the person that you are going to have a sexual experience with and asking them, how do they perceive the dynamic? Because some people have never asked this question. And many people who are in the masculine mindset might be like, I would be super turned off if you didn't let me move you into certain positions. Okay, I need to fucking know that. (laughs) It's a good thing we're talking about this ahead of time then. Yeah, exactly. No, but seriously, like I need to know that. Mm -hmm. And then getting into even the other types of perceptions you have around sex regarding like pleasure and climax and those sorts of things. Like what are your default mentalities around that, right? Is it is when is sex quote unquote done right like is it done when both people have achieved climax is it done when only one like person has achieved a climax does anybody even need to achieve a climax for it to be considered okay done like we're just gonna we're gonna close up shop like you need to understand what those defaults are right like how do you perceive the sexual act itself to be you know like wrapped up or like how do we know when it's over right and so and I think a lot of people have a particular type of like oh that's how you know that it's done and so whatever your mind just answered for you in that like make sure you know what that is make sure that that is communicated with your other person that you might be engaging with because what if For you, it's done when both people have a climax. But for that other person, it's I don't think anybody needs to climax for it to be done, done. And then you go, okay, well, then like, let's figure out what that might look like and feel like for both of us, right? Like now you're actually in a place where you can have an educated, like, informational conversation about that and decide if you guys are aligned and going to be able to have like a mutually satisfying experience together. It doesn't mean one person is right or wrong about what they are hoping for. It just people need to be on the same page about these things ahead of time. Because then otherwise, if you didn't talk about that stuff explicitly, and then like the dynamic plays out, and nobody has a climax and then this person's like ready to be done and wrap it up and they're feeling great and satisfied because they just like enjoyed the like energy that was shared and whatever else but you're sitting there feeling like super confused and maybe disappointed and maybe like like you just don't know what's happening like you're you've now set yourself up for like possibly dealing with like some really difficult emotions that are harder to sift through in the moment or like after the experience than they would have been ahead of time. It's like a little bit easier. It's a little bit more like clear headed to try to sift through those dynamics ahead of time, which is why like when we were conceptualizing this whole entire episode for you guys, we were talking about sex and consent. We were like literally like 95, 97% of sex and consent happens ahead of time. Like all of these conversations happening ahead of time is so important. 
and like the the actual like in the sexual dynamic experiences themselves like yeah you might like engage in some of those like safety mechanisms or understandings that you had created ahead of time during it but like so much of this topic happens outside of the bedroom or before anything even really happens quote unquote oh all right so I love this because (laughs) this is one of those things where it's like okay people are like well how do I know what I don't know and like what if like people are just like I don't know like you start talking like some people call it table talk like whatever like you start talking about the experience of being together and you get met you might have done the work you might be like I know what I like I know what I don't like I know how I want to feel in the event this is what I can like this is how I conceptualize sex I don't even like put a parameter on like orgasms or whatever. It's more like everyone just to keep, keep communicating. And once we keep communicating, everyone has to be on the same page, right? Well, what's interesting is sometimes you run into people who are like, I don't like to talk this much about it beforehand. I just like to figure it out in the bedroom. And okay, let me just say, I don't even want to say it's a red flag, but it, I don't even... This is why I can't say it's a red flag because I don't think they even realize what they just said. Like, I don't think they realized how easily that could go wrong. <laughs> so like, I yeah. could see someone genuinely, like innocently saying that. Like, I just am the type of person where I'm just like, go with the flow, baby. Like, whatever, like whatever. And I, when I tell you, if I, if we have honed our demographic well enough of our listenership, <laughs> There are many of you have who have experienced trauma. And I don't even mean sexual trauma. I just mean trauma. All right? Yep. So if there are so many of you that are listening to me right now, when you run into someone who's like, I don't really like to talk about any of this. I just want to, like, figure it out when it happens. And I go, that's a fucking recipe for re-traumatization. Why is it a recipe for re-traumatization? Because you have no idea how to place yourself in that environment and maintain safety. You have no idea because it could be incredibly safe or they could be like, well, I like to figure it out. So I didn't think you were going to react when I slapped your ass. And you're like, you didn't ask me to slap me. Well, but if I asked you, it would have been not hot anymore and it wouldn't have been fucking sexy. And like, so like, I didn't ask you, but like, I just told you, I like to figure it out as we go. So I just felt the energy and I smacked your ass. And you're like, that's a fucking problem. And then you stop having sex and you walk out the door and you feel like shit and they feel like shit. And I sit there and I go, this is what I'm talking about, folks. Like when we're talking about sexual consent, I am saying... It is not a flippant, whatever fluidly happens is whatever happens. You only get that level of fluidity if you've done so much work on the front end. Like literally, that's why people are like, well, I know people like that though. They can enter into sexual experiences and they actually can flow with that much fluidity. And I go, that wasn't, that's not an accident. That has been worked for. Them being able to flow with that much energy shifting and actually feel like they're sovereign over their body and not feeling scared, that took so much work. Like, you can't just go into situations and be like, oh, I'm Gucci, baby. Like, I am totally fine. And then someone does something like that and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Right? And it's like, That's why we're talking about, yes, I I can hear the naysayers. You don't know what you don't know, Jamie, right? It's the, you don't know you like curry this way. You don't know if, and I go, I know that. Well, at the very very least, what needs to happen in a situation like that. So if somebody were to say that to me, like dead serious, like say I'm in a dynamic with somebody and, you know, I'm, we're just starting that table talk and they said that exact phrase to me I don't really like having these conversations like I don't really like having a lot of talk like it kind of turns me off it's like mm, like it's weird I just like to flow with whatever and like we'll figure it out as we go along what I would say in that situation how I would respond is I would probably say I understand like sometimes these conversations can be weird 
And I also need to make sure that both of us are feeling safe the entire time a dynamic is going on. So at the very least, can we set up some sort of safe word or um, like traffic light system to where if things are going on, like as you are figuring it out, how am I supposed to know if something's happening that you didn't like or you don't like? Like there needs to at the very least be like, can you like do you have a safe word you use kangaroo or yellow light or whatever? So that way you can easily communicate that to me in the moment. Can can I pause you though? This is why I, this is why the trauma therapist in me lights up like a freaking like Christmas light. Okay. When you say that it's because here's the issue that I have with safe words. I'm not against them. Absolutely use them. But what I have an issue with is in some people's traumatized brain, a safe word by the actual nature is that it's not always the case. It's like something could just be like off and you just say the safe word. Okay. You're just like in a different energy and you say the safe word. But if you're using a safe word, like do something to me and then I give you the safe word, incredibly treacherous water for your psyche. Because if you're like, okay, I... Sure. Let's practice. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there because I know where you're going with this and I already have the answer. Are you ready for this? This is the conversation to have then. You need to find, and this is actually super important for everybody to listen right now. So like get those listening ears on because this is so fucking important what I'm about to say. When it comes to consent and establishing what consent looks like between you and your partner, before you even engage in some sort of safe word system or traffic light system, what actually needs to be established ahead of time is are the two people in the dynamic, this is what you would ask yourself or ask them or whatever. Are you a yes until it's a no person or are you a no until it's a yes person? Because that is the key and that is the essentialness to everything here. Because if I'm a yes until it's a no person, then for me, a traffic light system or a safe word system is super easy to engage because it's a green light across the board until I say yellow light. And that means that's not stop everything, shut down the whole dynamic. It's ah, like, can we adjust? Can we reassess? Red light would be absolutely, we are done. We are stopping. Not a single more sexual thing is happening from this moment forward. Like it's done. We move into, we move into aftercare at that point And like, it's over. That's the only like, and I would explain that ahead of time, right? Because I'm a yes until it's a no person. If I'm a no until it's a yes person, then maybe we still can use the traffic light system, but it's in the, it's like more in the reverse. The red light is the default. You assume that this person is like at like a red light or a yellow light, essentially. And you're asking for those green lights as you go on. You, you ask ahead of time, Hey, can we try this position? Or, Hey, do you like that? Or, et cetera, et cetera. And you get those green lights as you move on. So that's really what it comes down to is you need to figure out for yourself and for the partner you're dealing with, is this a yes till it's a no person or is this a no till it's a yes person? Because that's going to establish what type of like safety mechanism you guys put into place for yourselves moving into that dynamic. And it's okay if you guys are the opposite. Like, it's not like that's, you know, that, that happens a lot actually, like in two, in particular dynamics. You just need to know that about each other. You need to know what type of person you're dealing with so that you can actively engage in those like safety systems in the correct way, the way that like actually makes sense for that person's brain. Right. And so what I was pointing out with the safe word system is that I think a lot of people default to because of the safe word system, they go, um, I'm, I guess I'm a yes until I'm a no. And I go, well, that's putting yourself in a pretty, that's, I'm not saying one just prefer to the other people. It's just like, I, as a trauma therapist, because of literally the demographic I reach, when people assume they're a yes until they're a no, and then they enter into a sexual experience, and then something actually violating feels like it occurred, and that person who's having sex with you genuinely didn't realize, oh my god, I just triggered them because I smacked their ass, and then they said the safe word. But they, but I still smacked your ass, like... I can't undo that. I can't undo that. I literally did that to you when we were having sex and you logged that as a huge violation. And so this is why I point this out. I go, know that. Please do that work. Because if you are like, I could be trialing yet, like I I could trial the safe word 
you know, approach where I'm like a yes until I'm in, until I'm in no. But if you want my two cents, if you go that route and you know, there are like CA mentioned this before, you know, there are full on deal breakers. I will not have sex in this position. I will not do that with that position and like with my head or with my hand or what I'm not going to do that. And the rest of the stuff is a yes till I'm a no. That is what I mean by the nuance of this situation is that you are allowed to have certain established parameters and then use the kind of like the safe word method. But when you're in a very traumatized state, the thing that happens is it's like you're doing like you're you're kind of like picking up the pieces afterwards and like trying to heal after when in reality you could be setting up the scenario where you don't have to be violated and you can have more autonomy beforehand and it doesn't have to feel like, oh, well, I guess I just, I don't know what I don't know. So I didn't realize it was going to be a problem. Right. And I'm like, okay, so what would it look like if like, I know we keep talking about smacking the ass, but let's say if you're a no to a yes and you're having sex and your partner goes, Hey, like I've thought about this a while. Like, have you ever thought about like some like very light impact way? Like just a little bit of like maybe me tapping your ass a little. And I'm asking that when it's happening. Cause I know that you're known to a yes. And you, and I say, well, I haven't thought about it, but like, it kind of sounds like something I'd explore. So why don't you do it? Like lightly, like, and, and I'm like, here, hit my hand, like the, the forcer, just like, so I can gauge, like, like, and get a gauge, uh, try it lightly. Okay. Well, I don't really feel much. You can try it a little bit harder. Mm, yeah. This isn't doing it for me. Let's move on. Why did I go into that level of detail? Because when people are trying to learn this stuff, they're going to be the naysayers are going to be like, Jamie, but I didn't know I was into like, like not tying or like, I didn't know that I really liked that position. So until someone literally put me in that position, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I go, right. this is what it means to keep your sovereignty and your authority. All you're going to say is, okay, we can try that position, but yeah. I need to be in this angle. And I need to feel like, you know, I just need to kind of be like practicing it and see how I feel. And if it's not aligning, I'm just going to ask, like, we're just going to have to reposition them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like essentially like safely exploring those gray areas yes. to where it feels like I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. So how do we like dip our toes in the water basically to like slowly start figuring out if this is something I like or not. And that is stuff that happens in the moment. But what you're doing in the moment is basically like putting into practice systems that you had talked about ahead of time, right? So that's, that's what we're getting. That's what we're getting at with this episode is kind of like, how do we approach sex and consent in a way that we can go into that with, there's always risk when we, you know, get into that vulnerable space, there's always going to be some level of risk involved. But how do we do it in a way that is as safe as possible, right? Uh, Emotionally and bodily and you know, how do we do the least amount of risking, especially when we're coming into this with trauma? And that's like we've said, like, we know that our demographic, a lot of our listeners have trauma. And this was something I spoke about off air, is that if you know you're a person with trauma, just know that most likely, and it doesn't have to be sexual trauma. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. It's just any type of trauma. Most likely, Um, that trauma might get activated during a sexual experience at some point in your life. Why? Because trauma lives in the body. And we don't always know how or where it's going to come out and get activated. And so knowing that ahead of time and being mindful about that is super important because we don't want people going into these types of dynamics and getting themselves re-traumatized or some sort of trauma gets activated and they don't know what to do in that moment. They don't know how to keep themselves safe. And then they get into like a sexually fawning, um, right. Or performative or whatever 
type of a situation and then they're beating themselves up afterwards or, you know, shutting down in some way and then avoiding sex altogether. And it's a, it can turn into a whole cascade. Right. And so if you know that you have trauma or if you know that your partner has trauma, that is something that needs to be kind of like acknowledged and discussed. And that I alluded earlier to, um, aftercare. And if you, if you've done any like work about sexuality, I'm sure you've heard that phrase. Um, and it's, it is literally exactly what it means. It just means like after a sexual experience has gone on, um, how do these two people like care for themselves, care for each other, like that, like pillow talk or whatever, you know, like how do what, what do the people need afterwards? And so there needs to be a conversation ahead of time about what aftercare looks like in a couple of different ways. There's aftercare for a positive sexual experience that was great and ended well for both people. And there's still aftercare that goes on after that, right? Like talking about what you liked or, you know, getting each other, you know, like sharing some water together or whatever, like some cuddling, whatever that looks like for you, you know, you want to have a conversation about what aftercare looks like. Then there's also a whole other thing of like, what does aftercare look like when the sex needed to end because somebody's trauma got triggered? And this is not an if, this is a when. This is what I'm saying is like, if you have trauma in your body at some point during sex, it's going to get activated and it's not your fault and it's not the other person's fault. And that nobody needs to feel shame about that. It's just something that like sometimes might happen and there needs to be a plan in place for it so that when it happens, both people can feel really safe and cared for and able to navigate that experience without the shame. Because if there isn't a plan in place, unfortunately, people's shame does get activated. So if it were me that had my trauma activated and I had to like stop and we didn't have a plan in place, I'm absolutely going to feel ashamed. I'm going to feel weird. I'm going to feel embarrassed because like nothing was wrong and like everything was going fine. And then all of a sudden my body like shuts down and like, I'm feeling like there's something wrong with me and I'm going to feel super shameful about it. Sometimes the other partner feels like they didn't know what they did. Like, Oh, I've like, and it might even be like something they've tried in the past and that's gone well. Right. Like oh my God, like, why are they feeling violated? I didn't do anything wrong. And then they're going to feel ashamed about themselves and like how they showed up in the dynamic. They're going to be. So this is what I mean when I say like, it's so important to know ahead of time how to communicate to your partner that this is like a trauma thing going on in your body. Nobody's done anything wrong. You just need that type of aftercare plan to go into place. And it might look completely, probably will look very different than what the aftercare situation is when like it was like all a hunky-dory nice sexual experience together is that a conversation you have ever had with yourself or your partner I challenge my listeners right now to answer that because I'm not sitting here on some high horse like oh yeah like I knew that I I've had that plan in place since forever um no obviously like a lot of the stuff we talk about on this podcast has been learned through trial and error and mistakes and things like that and so like I know what it's like when trauma gets activated during sex and there wasn't an aftercare plan in place and there was miscommunications and hurt feelings and shame and confusion and da, 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 da. so that is why we're having this conversation is to if if you're already in a you know sexual you know relationship with somebody uh, you're married or you're you got a boyfriend you got a girlfriend whatever it's never too late to have these conversations oh my right? god no it's never too late to have I don't these care if you've been married for like 20 years exactly. if you're understanding this in a new way I challenge you to like start doing this because that is huge there is massive healing that can occur with some of these conversations and I, I like I like what you just said CA about the aftercare plan because what happens and this is a little tricky but I do want to introduce it to you guys because it's part of the like reflective post like you know like hindsight is foresight we've talked about before when you are trying to whether it's like you know a disrupted event or it was positive or whatever like your your processing needs to be your own 
and your partner's processing needs to be their own. And the magic happens when you can like in a healthy way dialogue about that individual processing. So for example, like this is why I think it's important for us to bring it up CA because um, like, let's say we like everything was followed plan, right? And you know, maybe I didn't stop the sexual experience, but like pretending we're the partnership, but like you, you everything was like, I didn't stop it, but I was like, it kind of like in aftercare is kind of reflecting on a few things. Um, and I just bring it up to you. I go, Hey babe, um, you know, when we switched positions and then you kind of like, you know, you called me like, you know, you said like, you were like, oh, you're a little slut or something. Like, I've never heard you say that. And it wasn't really enough to throw me off, but I just wanted us to talk about that for a second. And this is where individual processing needs to stay in individual lanes. Okay. Cause I am allowed to reflect that even though that didn't feel like a violation and I, and I'm like, yes, until I'm a no, I didn't say there was no say I didn't have a problem with that stopping the energy, but I noticed when I was in the energy, I don't know if I love that dialogue entering in, like some people love it. Don't get me wrong, but some people with certain connections in their brain might hear that word it might not be enough to stop the experience, but they might hear that word and go, hmm, preferably, I'd probably not want to hear that again when I'm having sex. So how would that ever stop happening if I didn't articulate that to my partner afterwards, right? All my partner saw was they said that and I kind of went on my merry way while we were still having sex, right? So in their mind, they might not think it's, they might not have seen me get like super, super activated and like super, super like, you know, ooh, I'm like really feeling that word. They might not have seen that, but also you're not going to respond to every single thing that happens in sex. So like they might've just been like, okay, well, it wasn't like a wild activator for her, but um, I mean, she just... I never heard otherwise, right? So this is where we can have posed dialogue where we can learn a lot about the dynamic at play and like grow deeper and more bonded because when you have the safety to reflect on things that worked, that worked really good and didn't necessarily, maybe some things didn't necessarily need to be continuing on in your dynamic, all right, so now I bring this up to my partner and I look at UCA and I go, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It didn't shut me down, but I don't love it. So here's my request that we don't add that kind of dialogue into the room. Okay. So when I tell you stay in your individual processor, I just stayed in my individual processor, but because this is a mutual dynamic, I need to bring that to the mutual dialogue. So now we're going to valley it back to CA. And this is where the processor getting blended can become problematic, right? Because if they see that as me going, you're a bad person. <laughs> now that's where I need to hear how they're receiving that. I need to hear how they just received that. So like model that for a second, CA. Give me like a two different models of like how that could be perceived in different ways. Don't tell me which one. So, you're I mean, out, but. <laughs> okay. So one of the ways would be, Oh, totally hear you. I thank you for sharing that with me. It was just something like I wanted to try out. So yeah, I understand that that's not something you want to hear again, moving forward. That's, that's good to know. Got it. Noted. Okay, so that's one way. But then I think what I might even respond, because this is where I get curious, I'd be like, is that something that you'd want to try? Like, would you want me to try that? Like, was that an idea that came from like you that you were like trialing out for me, but like, it didn't really resonate with me. But do you want to try that as like some of the words like, can you come up with come up with a couple of terms you might like? Right. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, like, maybe that is where that came from. I honestly, like, it kind of came to me spontaneously. I don't even know, like, 
where it came from. So it's possible yeah. that maybe I might be receptive to that in the reverse. If you wanted to try that next time, like, yeah, maybe you could try. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Like I that. just was, yeah, right. Like, we'll talk about it. I'm just curious. So like, maybe let's just continue that later. Yeah. All right. So give me the other, <laughs> give me the other reaction. The other action, there's multiple, but I, I could go. Well, give me like one. That yeah, like, yeah, I could, I could, I could say, I could say like, well, I really liked it. So I, I feel like if you, if it's not like a hard no for you, like I kind of want you to keep that door open. Like I'd like to probably do that again. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like it feels like, I don't know if I'm wanting that to be a red light for me. Yeah, well, this is this is why I think it's important for us to talk about this, because one of the things that we need to kind of be understanding is that like sex is as good as both of us are experiencing it to be. And even though it's not a hard no, I don't feel like it's giving it's it's not giving anything. It's not helping in any way. And it's kind of even maybe throwing my energy a little bit. That's why I'm saying it's not a hard no, like I would stop you, but it throws me a little bit. And it's not really something that I would want to be called during any kind of sexual experience on my end. So I'm not necessarily like, I'm basically telling you that that's kind of a line right now for me. That I don't want for it to continue in our sexual experience. Okay, and it. <laughs> I, was, so, I was gonna try to go on, but I was like, my brain is literally not letting no, me gonna... override your consent right now. Like, I'm so like hardwired no, to gonna... respect that so... that I'm like, I hear you. <laughs> so here's the thing: I want to. I just want you guys to hear this because we have to wrap up in a second. But this is what's interesting about that dynamic: is that your you entering into a sexual experience is incredibly vulnerable and. In order to understand that at any point that person like has something that doesn't match with you, it has to be discussed. It is not something you have to justify. You don't have to be like, well, that one time you you said that you didn't want me to call you a whore, but you were like joking around with your other friends saying like, I'm a stupid bitch. Like, so which one is it, Jamie? Am I, are your friends allowed to call you a bitch, but I can't call you a whore whenever I want to. And it's like, that's the justification energy. It's like, it's literally like going back to the non-sexual experience. It's like, well, you were at, you were over at aunt Lucy's yesterday and you tried her soup. So why are you not trying my curry? When we're in justification energy, consent is getting violated. Like, think about that. You're trying to like make it make sense for them. And they've already told you, I don't align with it. I already made a decision. Your role is to not defend why I need to be convinced otherwise. Your role is to respect me. And if I can't see that respect, that's where I feel unsafe <laughs> like that's exactly us entering right. into a continued sexual dynamic i mean if it's the same exact curry i might have liked your curry last week i'm just literally not in the fucking mood for curry today there you go but are you allowed to do that are you allowed to have that much autonomy ca are you allowed to have exactly. that much autonomy and that's how you that's exactly what we're talking about is like making sure that you are paying attention to the dynamic you have with these folks that you're engaging with all across all boards to see what the response is to you exercising your consent and autonomy and authority over your own self. And if you are met with that type of energy, that's no, I know better than you, or let me just convince you why you're wrong, or let me convince you You why you're wrong. You don't know what you like. You don't know what you want. You don't know what you want. Let me just push you past your boundary because I want what I want and I think I'm right and you're wrong. If that's the energy that you're like, consistently getting met with and there's no capacity for this person to like hear your perspective respect your boundaries then I would venture to analyze that's not a super safe person and I if it were me in that situation I would probably not want to engage in sex with that person because if they can't even respect that I'm saying no to a cup of tea then I don't know how I could ever expect them to respect me in the bedroom 
And this is where we barely scratch the surface, but I barely. We, I know this topic. Is I know. Deep I hope that we opened up some doors to kind of sit with, and you know, just letting people know, like people who've experienced trauma deserve to have really great sex, really mind blowing sex. Like y'all deserve this stuff, and it's possible. It just is. It takes effort. It takes skill. It takes intention. And obviously it takes safe humans to interact with. And so all of those things sound so beautiful and rainbows and daisies, but they're all fought for. They're all fought for. And they're all like particularly identified. And like we said, it's possible. It just has to be done on purpose. (laughs) Pretty much that's the end of it. So we will probably (laughs) address this in another episode but right now we scratched the surface for surface for you and we hope that we did enough for you in this episode so all right thank you guys for listening as always yes we'll see you next time thank you so much y'all for tuning in if anything we said resonated please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts This absolutely helps us grow and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollected self and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our Coffee Fiend Club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called Unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited. We are literally just shooting the breeze, having fun. You can see our full personalities and it is a blast. Honestly, it's pretty fun. So if you want to join us, you can find that at patreon.com slash unlearned. And that's it. The last thing I want to tell you is I want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become. And this is how we do the work.